0: You're invited to explore cypress swamps and magical gardens and float along the rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. Plan your journey at visitmississippi.org outdooradventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome.
1: On a very special and exciting entry of Animation Deliberation, we are interviewing our first guest that's a professional in the industry. We have with us Michael D'Ambrosio, who is an animation editor with nearly 30 years in the industry under his belt.
2: He is known for notable titles such as Tom and Jerry Cowboy Up, Tom and Jerry in New York, and my personal favorite, Hi Hi Puffy AmiYumi.
0: And coming from a younger audience, we have different things like Speed Racers and the Mr. Men Show, bringing us a wonderful home from Renegade Animation Studios. We have Mr. Michael D'Ambrosio.
1: All right, and we are excited to have a conversation with him just after some ads that we have no say over whatsoever.
0: to a place where you can explore cypress swamps and magical gardens, and see a 65-foot waterfall that once powered an old mill that you can walk through today. Or just float along the cool, rushing waters of an old-fashioned swimming hole. See the places and plan your journey at visitmississippi.org slash outdoor adventure. Mississippi, wanderers welcome.
1: Sing along if you know the words one, two, three, it's time for Animation Deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. All right, folks, welcome back to Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously. It is a very exciting day here. As we mentioned at the top of the episode, we've got lead animation editor Michael D'Ambrosio with us. Michael, thank you for being here and welcome to the show. How are you?
3: I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. This is
1: exciting. Of course. Yeah, it's it's very exciting for us. And that us that I mentioned, I am not alone. I am joined as always by Zuhair Ali.
0: Hello, hello.
3: As well as Andrew Rogers.
0: Hello. I'm so excited and hope we have plenty to learn here from you, Michael. It's a, It's an honor to have you.
3: Yes, we shall see. We shall see how much wisdom I can cast on everyone. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you've got
1: plenty of wisdom to share with us, and you've got to be passionate about animation since you've been doing it for almost 30 years now. So, with that in mind, we had some uh, questions that we wanted to send your way.
0: Yeah, I'll kick it off with an easy one. Hopefully, it shouldn't be too bad. Just kind of what got you into animation in the first place, and what led you to where you are now?
3: Well, the origin story. Story time. Yeah. I, you know, get, getting into the industry, wh- one of my one of my favorite things to do as a kid, uh, I was very fortunate to be able to go to um, Universal Studios was my favorite, favorite, favorite place in the world. I don't know what it was. Just something about being behind the scenes, the backlot tour was so exciting to me that I knew at a pretty young age, this would be really cool to work in this business somehow. I didn't know in what capacity. And as time went on and I went to school, I went to Cal State Northridge as a radio, TV, film major. Editing kind of fell into my wheelhouse. That kind of seemed to be where I wanted to go. And I was, I was actually very much, very much a sci-fi geek. Hmm. So early in my career, I, um, was fortunate enough to land a great job at Rhythm and Hughes Studios, and I was cutting commercials there for about eight years. And that was always a combination that it was live action commercials, but okay. we also, well, with the live action commercials, uh, clients would come to, to Rhythm and Use and would uh, it would be heavy emphasis in either 2D effects, CG animation, um, some type of visual effect. And that's where it kind of led to a really kind of gravitated more towards animation. And eventually on um, on a Cheetos campaign, of of all things, I met my current employers at Renegade animation and one thing led to another and i ended up in animation so that's awesome okay
1: cool was that uh incorporating like the animated character of of chester
3: cheetah cheetos yeah okay absolutely it was a combination that if i recall correctly that campaign had a combination we had a cg chester cheeto and we also had a traditionally animated 2d if you will chester and that's where renegade came in
1: very cool it ain't easy being cheesy.
2: So you just have like a variety of your portfolio, just having like different mediums of creating the same character.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in many cases, that happened in many cases that happened, because many of the directors at rhythm came out of the traditional background. Mm -hmm. So they gravitated towards that I have I gravitated towards that. CG is a great medium. I mean, it's it's been around for so long now. And I mean, the things you can do—the things you can do in CG now are just—I I mean, it goes without saying. It kind of sound, feels silly for me to even say it, but there's so much you can do with it, and mm-hmm. the rigs and the characters now have so—you so, have so much ability now to actually bring to life more animation. Whereas back in the day, about 20 years ago, the characters were a little bit more stiff, a little bit more rubbery. Sure. That's kind of gone. So. Um, at least on the feature side or like special project side, short side. It's quite impressive. Uh, I d- recently got to watch the new shorts from blue sky on oh, okay. Disney plus, uh, s- the scratch, scrap
0: scratch. Scrat. Um, Thank you.
3: Thank you. The so new scratch shorts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Very, very impressive. Very, very impressive. Uh, That's awesome. I-, I enjoyed that. But again, I gravitate towards, I gravitate towards, uh, Traditional animation, the the old the old uh, Looney Tunes style, just the draftsmanship, the the art, you know, just just the art of it. And there's so much that goes into it.
2: So yeah, that's really satisfying for us to hear because the reason that we started this podcast was because there was a lot of great animated content that was really overlooked by people because it was perceived that like anything that was a cartoon or animated was for kids and that's why we started the show because there's a whole appreciation for you know this level of content that's out there and hearing your passion for how things have evolved and the the effort that you put into it kind of justifies like why we do this cast to like fully appreciate all that hard work and it it really is seen and it really is appreciated like how good the storytelling And the look and the environment and everything is in this modern era.
0: Yeah. And I must say, I get a lot of inspiration out of your backstory talking about Universal Studios Mm -hmm. and growing up thinking like this is what I want to do because my backstory is a little bit of the same. Except I turned into an engineer because I said, I want to do the physical side of how we put these things together, you know, whether it be on movies or products or what the case may be. But to know that creatives can all kind of come from the same place and go in these totally different directions, end up animating, editing, building all these different things. It's, it's just awesome to hear someone coming from a similar place and just going down a completely different path and doing something as amazing as you are now. Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean,
3: you, you, you get this inspiration as, as a kid and it can lead you, it can lead you into different avenues, but it can lead you into the same industry too. Mm. It's kind of analogous to the way I shaped, tried to shape my career at least as well, because it coming into the industry, I really prided myself also on the technical side, like knowing how the software works, knowing how the hardware works, uh, I wanted to be able mm. to fix anything, adjust anything, with from from an, a speed and an, a, and an efficiency situation, sitting in the room with a director and not having to call IT like oh, something's not working. If I could fix it immediately and keep the flow going of the session, I found really helped in the creative process too. I know that may sound a little odd, but I oh, think it's really interesting. Oh, I'm loving it! <laughs> yeah, I think I think you know because I, I, I you know, I really pride myself. I, I used to tear, and I still do at Renegade. I, I, I'll tear apart the back of the. Uh, we're we're mostly avid based. I'll tear oh, apart cool. the the avid and rewire everything. You know, I I I learned very early on. Well, I had to. I had to learn very early on because I was at the inception of all the kind of non-linear thing, the non-linear editing. Sure. So I go back to the days of. Um, Mac OS 9 SCSI drives. Stop me if this doesn't make any sense, but if like you had to literally, <laughs> literally back in the day, in order to get all your media drives to work, you had to as manually assign on the back of the drive a SCSI number. Uh, I'm probably getting that terminology incorrect, but you had to give it a, a channel number, uh, okay. otherwise your media drives wouldn't call up. You know, so so you had to get your hands dirty, so to speak, and that and and that kind of just continued along learning everything. Uh, about video signal and and about how things things worked on a mechanical and electronic level, but understanding that at the end of the day you need to be creative to make sure that you're bringing something to the table for the for the director of course
2: not only do I appreciate your balance between uh tech and art savvy I definitely appreciate the technology that we have now that we don't have to worry about stuff like that anymore.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I go back. I I mean, it was kind of the inception of nonlinear because when I originally started uh, at DDB Needham in Los Angeles, you know, it it was uh, I was in the uh, audio video department. So it was a lot of making dubs of commercials for other executives, other, you know, copywriters and things like that. But there was, there, there were other, there, there, it was basically corporate video, if you will. Um, but I would edit three quarter inch tape to three quarter inch tape, you know, it it was linear, (laughs) you know, and you had to have pre-roll and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden this, this Avid box came along that the software that sits on a computer and it's (laughs) like, Oh, you can like fast forward and go back and set it in the out and out. You oh, there's an undo button. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> what oh, yeah. is going on? So um, controls. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so um, I think I forgot my initial point, other than to to just kind of reiterate that I I kind of pride myself on having both skill sets.
2: That really is incredible. Mm-hmm. So, Michael. What is the day in the life of an editor
3: like? Well, you know, it 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 varies. Right now, right now I'm working on another directed DVD, so DTV uh, Tom and Jerry mm-hmm. uh, film for Warner Brothers, uh, and we're also doing this really cute project for um, Sesame Workshop, which oh, is cool. um, yeah, oh. it's it's been it's been pretty challenging. Um, the workflow is very different than what I'm, that, that, that renegades accustomed to. Uh, we're adjusting day by day. Uh, but it's really rewarding because these, these, these five minute shorts are going to be played across the globe. You know, these are, these are going to be, uh, from what my understanding, uh, it, it, it may be domestic here in the States, but it's also going to be, Played in Africa for children, it's going to oh, play, wow. be played all over, all over. There's going to be versioning, you know, uh, language versioning uh, just across the board. Oh wow! Okay. So, to to get back to your question, at Renegade, I do kind of the animation process. We do storyboards. I do both if some companies like Disney they bifurcate they kind of split that job up it's two different editors there's a storyboard editor there's a color editor uh hmm. okay, at, um okay. a, a, other studios I, I think Warner Brothers combines them. I'm pretty sure Warner Brothers combines that skill set so sure. uh at renegade as well i handle I handle the storyboards uh i I cut that with the director get it to time make sure that all the uh dialogues working add any sound effects that will help uh, tell the story, drop in any music that needs to help as long as it helps the flow of the piece, make sure the story's working, uh, and then okay. it gets shipped off to animation. Then when the animation comes back, I also work on the color timing. So okay. it, it varies. In the middle of a schedule, of, uh, for instance, in Tom and Jerry, in the middle of the schedule, I could be working on a storyboard the first part of the day, and then be working on color the next part of the day. Oh, nice! Oh, wow! Yeah. Sure, that
1: keeps things interesting.
3: So it really is a little bit of everything. Yeah, I, I think I'm for- fortunate in that way. I, I I consider it being fortunate because I, I get to touch the project at beginning, middle, and end. You okay. Know? I also, again that oh, that amazing. that technical side, I prepare everything for online. Uh, for for uh, the workflow for Tom and Jerry again was storyboards at Renegade, color at Renegade, and then the actual online was done at Warner Brothers Animation, and mm. I would prepare everything and and again it's it's part of that it's it's part of having that pride in that workflow and making sure that everything gets delivered to the online editor uh, correctly and that it's kind of almost a no brainer that the the show falls into place and that person just has to hit play for for the execs you're making someone else's job a lot easier, huh? T- t- trying to, trying to be a team <laughs> player, you know, it's yeah. a back and forth because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm kind of, uh, uh I'm not in that very, very final part of the process, which sure. is, sure. Which, uh, you know, what I, if, if time allowed for the crazy busy schedule that, you know, kind of an episodic delivery is in animation,
0: mm-hmm. I would
3: love to sit in on all those, uh, all, all those online, but time doesn't permit. So you're hoping that you're just, you're handing something over. That's as complete as possible. And, sure. and, 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 and sometimes it's not So sometimes, sometimes stuff gets shipped off and I like, I have to send a note off. It's like, uh, send them a time code, send them a shot, a shot number and say, Hey, this is still a placeholder. These shots are to come because we're still getting stuff. We're still, still getting stuff in, but that train keeps moving. And there's a date to hit for the online. So and so oftentimes an online would be finished, not to be delivering shows, and they would revise it later. That was quite common, actually.
1: Is that something you still find difficult to release something that you know you haven't had to have? You know, your your hands in every single aspect. It's somewhat still unfinished, or have you know the number of shows you've worked on and the number of episodes you've worked on at this point? Is it just kind of like move on to the next thing? Just let's let's keep this train rolling. Or do you still find yourself like being kind of precious about certain? certain projects.
3: It definitely became that. It definitely okay. became, be, became you reach, you reach a a point where you're a little bit more comfortable with it, but it's, it's sure. always a, a bit disconcerting. Did they get that shot? Did they get that shot? Hey, did they, you oh, know, sure. sure um, but a, as time goes on, as time goes on, you become, you know, we did, we did five, uh, five and a half seasons. We did f- uh, five seasons of Tom and Jerry, and then a uh, one mm. and a half a season of Tom and Jerry in New York. Okay. So we worked on Tom and Jerry for quite some time. It was a a big chunk of time. So as the seasons rolled on, yes, you become more comfortable with that. Um, And and the team does. And everybody kind of knows each other's moves. I guess it's kind of like a team sport. It's like you know where that certain player is going to be at a certain time to execute the play. So less disconcerting as time went on. But it's always – it's always uh, – it's in the back of your mind for sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I've been a photographer for some time now, and I was actually telling somebody the other day. It's like I I do real estate photography, and despite the fact I've been doing it for seven years, I still go to every shoot with a little bit of anxiety of like, what's the place gonna be like? What are the obstacles gonna be in my way? Like, essentially, it is the same thing, and I have the experience, and I know how to overcome, and I know how to do it. But just kind of like, there's always something that's always gonna be lingering, and I feel like that says a lot to kind of like the passion of the craft and just making sure that you
3: are prepared to where you kind of just go into a little Mm. bit of overdrive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, again, I, I think you hear interviews with professional athletes. I think there's always butterflies, you know, the the (laughs) most crafty veteran, Mm. there's always butterflies going into the next game, especially come playoff time, if you will. But, um, Yeah, you know, absolutely, because there's with every project, there's always an unknown. Even even though we had a workflow down pat, something may have changed between season one. and uh, Things did change between season one and season two Mm. so that every one of those decisions impacts the workflow a little bit differently, both from a creative and from a technical side. Season one of Tom and Jerry were 11 minutes Mm. and uh, they were 11 minute shorts. So we would deliver two for each half hour. Right. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget, this is kind of a sidebar, I'll never forget the very yeah. first storyboard we got in for Tom and Jerry season one came out to seven minutes. Oh, <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> oh You're wow. shooting for 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. And subsequently thereafter, seasons two through five, we changed the format, we went to sevens. Oh, because- this just the format, the format of Tom and Jerry just settled into a six to seven minute short. Uh, 11, 11 became a bit taxing. I think the shows turned out great, but that, that particular, that 11 minute construct was a little bit, was, was a little bit difficult for that show. So mm-hmm. that changed, that changed from mm-hmm. two elevens to three sevens. And then Tom and Jerry New York became three sixes. With one three minute short, mm. change the workflow for each time. and then there may have been something there may have been something different that WB wanted delivered and that and that tweaked something. and some something in deliverable kind of cascades back down through the workflow and, mm. and, and you try you try because again because the schedules are so challenging, you try and set up your workflow earlier on as, as early as the board phase. Sure. To accommodate what they're asking for and what they need at the online process or what the client is asking for, whatever it may be. Certainly.
1: Now, um, I've got kind of a two part question for you. I I think you kind of answered my first question a little bit. Um, I was I was going to ask, you know, what specifically attracted you to working as an editor within the within the studio or the industry as opposed to one of the other roles? But it really sounds like it's just being able to have that kind of that touchstone on every single element be it the the visual side um the audio side and it's it really is you know a combination of of everything that's happening on screen from the the movement of the character to what's going on in the background to where the camera's placed um as well as the audio the, and, you, and I was interested to hear that audio element there like have you personally or or the team that you work with do you have any kind of like little favorite audio drops that you like to to throw in there, like in, in live action, I know the Wilhelm screen is, is screen is kind of a cultural touchstone. Has there been a particular like sound bite you've been able to like drop in there? That's kind of unique to
3: the projects you work on. Well, you remind me of a, of a funny story. Okay. Um, Okay. At the beginning of Tom and Jerry, we could not find the stock library sound effects from the originals. You know, we, we really, we really, in the inception of, of, of the show, you know my boss and director Daryl Sitter, is an animation genius by the way so I'll drop that, oh, of that course. virtual high five there <laughs> you know we really wanted we really wanted to honor the the uh, Hanna-Barbera MGM days like the late 40s early 50s style which was very very challenging very sure. very yeah very very challenging um in in uh, doing it with flash what's now mm. known as animate right um, it, it's, it's a difficult task and, 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 uh, we, we, we really, really struggled and stride. And I think we succeeded on many levels to, to achieve that goal, mm-hmm. but the, we searched up and down, we searched up and down. We, we, we asked Warner brothers, do, do you know, you know, we could not find, because there is actually, you could just Google it, uh, yeah. Tom and Jerry sound effects, oh. but it's not, it's not out of that era. And so, so what we what we ended up doing what we ended up doing is we harvested for placeholders in storyboards. We harvested everything, just basically digitized the classics and went okay. through and combed through them and trying to find a Tom, you know, Tom screams clean sure. without any score underneath it wow. because it, it that era that era Tom and Jerry they really bolstered the visual with the score. So sure. it was always challenging to find something mm-hmm. that was actually clean, um, which, you know, we, we weren't all that successful. You would hear, you would hear a little bit of the score at the top or tail of the, of the sound of, of, of the effort or, mm. or, or what have you, the sound effect. But, uh, interesting. I, I, uh, it also bring, it also brings up how important sound is to the process, especially in storyboards. Mm go get, th- thinking back thinking back to all that we would do we would do a after i'd get the boards kind of roughed out my assist assist was really just one assist okay would do a sound effects and a uh music pass and then i okay. would go back in and refine the edit for that and i think that really helped us get things i really think it helped kind of close the loop and help us get things approved on the Warner Brothers side because you had a more complete show, even though it was still storyboards, the sound. Sound, sound, sound is so, so important. Uh certainly any visual medium. Any visual medium. Definitely. You know, you know, what what's the old what's the old joke? You know, watch your favorite show and turn the sound off and then watch it and you'll be like, what what is going on?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's um it's it's outside of the animation realm, but it just reminds me of a one of my favorite Uh, youtube videos out there they took the film mrs doubtfire and they've recut it as like a horror trailer and it's just like once you take away the sound it's it's (laughs) hilarious how just the visuals
3: and and when you introduce new sounds
1: how much it can sell that that comedy as as a horror story
0: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly And as you talk about these old sounds that you were trying to go and find, uh, are you talking the original sounds from the cartoons where they were making it with glass jugs and balloons? And I I can't remember. There is a term for it. Were you going back and trying to find those originally? Yeah,
3: like the original Foley that they used. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah. To know that
0: that's still hanging on. Oh,
3: absolutely. How many years later. We, you know, I hope I'm not like. WB Legal is so touchy about things. So, (laughs) but we we were using, we were using um, one of the, uh, I think it's Hannah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to forget, but it's his original Hannah Barbera's. It's their original. They went into Soundbooth to record the Tom Screams. Wow. That's what we were using. Cool. Very cool.
2: So, did you ever find the originals?
3: No, we, my, my, Daryl oh, wow. Dar- and I, Daryl Van Sinders and I, my, ba- my boss, my, my director. We, we constantly joke to this day. We go, mm-hmm. we know it's sitting in some grandkids. It's one of, it's <laughs> sitting in a, in a, in a garage in Burbank. Sure, uh, it's some family <laughs> member. That's where it is. We know there's like reel to reel or something of it somewhere. We're gonna find it one of these days, but uh, right? no, we did not. <laughs>
2: As as frustrating as that is, I feel like it would be worse if, like, the first time that you had to use it, like, you had these placeholders, you were done, you were ready to go, and, like, right before, like, sending it off, like, the box comes up, like, we found it! Yeah. It's like,
3: alright! <laughs> Ex- yes. Back to y- work! Yes, exactly. Like, what, like, as soon as I hit the send button in the very last episode, it's like, hey, Michael D, could you use these? We just found this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Although, you know, if that were to happen, I'd be, I'd be tickle pink. I'd be tickle pinked If we found this, it would be, it would be awesome. It, it would be oh, awesome. Definitely. If we could find the originals. Yeah. I, I was going to say maybe, maybe through the podcast, we'll get, we'll get someone messaging going. <laughs> I know where they're at. Yeah.
2: That'd be incredible. Yeah. Everyone check your garages like as soon as you're done listening to this interview yeah. and see if we can help Michael out over here. Yeah, if
3: you have any family members that ever worked in animation, specifically Tom and Jerry, please <laughs> check yeah. your addicts.
2: Now, I got to say that I was watching uh, Tom and Jerry New York last night, and then I was watching some of the original tom and Jerry stuff and honestly one of the first things i noticed with new york i was like wow they used the original tom scream and it sounds amazing like it worked so perfectly with what i was watching and i was just sitting there and giggling like i was a 10 year old watching it all over hmm. again
3: oh that's awesome to hear yeah yeah um yeah we really you know like i said earlier um we really wanted to honor what they did in that era you know and that uh, it was again it was very challenging from an animation standpoint because we knew what the originals looked like and uh, mm-hmm. you can't necessarily always achieve that um mm. with our scheduling and with uh with the set of software i mean sure we still we're still very proud of what we did yeah it uh, yeah. again just trying to honor that era
1: no, I think you should be very proud. I, from the little bit um, of Tom and Jerry in New York that I've seen, as well as watching a, a little bit of Tom and Jerry Cowboy Up, I think it definitely captures that aesthetic with them for the most part. With while updating it, and um, with that in mind, you mentioned you know working in uh, Flash, which became animate. I know one of the key differences between the different types of animation that you can work with, with my limited experience, there is the, the difference between. Frame by frame animation versus motion tweens, and was there, you know, one used more heavily than the other? Did you find yourself transitioning to to more motion tweens as you tried to save time on the
3: animation effort? Specifically with Tom and Jerry, and, and in general, motion tweens are kind of frowned upon. Oh, are they? Just okay. because putting 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 stuff on ones, it get sometimes it, it, it depends. It depends on the action. If it's if okay. if it's a certain run cycle, sure. tweens work. Wonderfully, you know okay. putting the characters on ones work wonderfully, but oftentimes um actually in the animation process i'm I'm sorry, in the editorial process, I would take shots and mm. put the characters on twos oh, interesting, because we again, we wanted that classic feel, of course. It's one of the advantages of Flash and it's one of the advantage of the very graphic style, you know, that you get out of Flash and Animate and out of Harmony. Um, sure. that in the editorial process, you have the ability to hold certain poses to actually, if the, if, if there's too many poses to cut, cut poses out. Sure what we'd like to do is we like to, we, we, we call it thinking time. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we didn't in the, in the board phase, we didn't give the animator enough time in a certain shot to do what they needed to do. Um, so we had to open it up in editorial. Or cut it depending, depending on what the shot required. And, Hmm. you know, we would hold, you know, we, we would have the ability to hold a pose. And sometimes it works. Sometimes I'd have to go back to a technical director to put an in between, uh, before the character went into that hold pose interesting Um, but you know again it it, it's it's literally a shot by shot consideration tweens tweens can can work amazingly well and at other times can actually hurt the animation and there's plugins too there's there's plugins there's a a put on i'm gonna get it wrong but there's a flash there's an old flash plugin that says put on twos or something like that and -hmm. you can actually tween it and then put it on twos Hmm. uh Which uh, would work. Would work really well, actually. So, okay.
0: So, as a creative, when you're going into the editing room at the end of the day, what are you looking at for inspiration? Besides just old Tom and Jerry, are you watching other cartoons? Do you have a favorite animated show that you watch all the time and you think to yourself, I want to incorporate this in some part of my work? You know, what else do you enjoy besides the work you do? Well... Uh, you know,
3: I don't watch too much animation because at the end of the day it's like I've seen enough animation <laughs> that I don't immerse myself in too much other Fair. animation. Fair. Um
2: but I, I bet you just start critiquing everything more than you're actually like taking in the
3: uh, content too. Oh yes, that, that'll that question will take me off on another tangent. I hopefully I'll remember <laughs> to come back to it.
1: <laughs> we'll remind you. Okay, great, great.
3: Um <laughs> You know, I, I I think I think to answer your question, what I generally do before a new project starts, especially if it's a classic show, is to take a look at what they're originally doing. So, so I have a conversation with 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 the director. Um, I then go back and I do as much research. We had um, all the the entire library of of the Hanna Barbera and and then some of Tom and Jerry. And it was kind of immersing yourself in it, uh, sure. going on YouTube, looking something up specifically so you could get to something, spe- you know, specific quickly uh, rather than it scanning through an old DVD. But at a certain point, you put it away because you also want to bring your flavor to it. You want to bring our touch to it. You know, it's it's recognizing what it's rooted in, but then also using some of the disadvantages and advantages of flash animation to kind of mold a newer style you know so mm. it's immersed in the classic but it's it's a new twist to it if you will
2: hmm.
0: yeah no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's got to be hard when you have something where people have thoughts already. They know what they kind of want to see out of something like Tom and Jerry, but you need to do something new or it's not going to be as successful because it's just the same old thing. Why not watch the old thing? So you have to go through so many of those hurdles as you're changing it.
3: Correct. 100 cor- 100% correct. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I was going to mention. <laughs> yeah, your tangent tangent's so, about... Yes. Uh... My tangent, my tangent, Go uh, especially when it's was at Rhythm and Hues, back in the day, going to the movies that had visual effects in it, mm. it was the biggest breakfast fest <laughs> amongst the people. Like, did you see that one shot? The comp on that was hideous. Mm. Mm. Did you, oh boy, they needed another week on that shot easily. They needed, you know... <laughs> so you become you become you become an animation snob specifically a cg snob mm. <laughs> you can't help it you can't help it cuz you're around it all all day and you have that's your job that's Certainly. your jo- i mean it's it wasn't directly my job but as i'm editing and it's like hey that doesn't look right that's not cutting that's not working mm. Ta- talking to the animation director uh talking to the team uh that, that happens both in cg and, and on the animate side you know, that's not working, you know, so you, you, you kind of have to be a snob in a sense to bring up the best work. You keep pushing and pushing and pushing for better quality. Certainly. Certainly.
1: Now, (laughs) I love that. Have you experienced kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum where you're, you're viewing, you know, someone else's work in animation where it's just like, it kind of almost blows your mind that they took a different approach to it, or maybe pushed the envelope and maybe you've been able to incorporate some of those techniques in your own projects.
3: Uh, no, all my ideas are original. Every single one of them.
0: (laughs) Of course, of course. A good creative there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most certainly, most, most certainly. Yeah. That's a good question. And I have to think about that, uh, you know, a specific for you, but most, most certainly things influence you. It's, it's inevitable. Mm. So, uh, whether it's on a conscious level or subconscious level, you end up trying, you end up trying something, you know, I think I think one of the one of the things in editing is you may approach something, and you know you're just working on a scene, and you're like, okay, I did this three, four, five different ways. There's right. nothing else we can do to this. This is it is what it is. It's mm, playing yeah. the best way. And then the director will come in and come up with a completely different idea, and you're like, oh yeah, oh that's actually a great idea. And then it ends up working. You know, so, cool. sometimes cool. some. So, yeah, sometimes you'll hear, you know, the director will ask for something. And you're like, in the back of your head, you're going to go, okay, I'm going to do it so we can see it. And you know, nah, you know, I, I think what we've got is, is correct. But I, I can't put a percentage on it, but there's many times it's like, no, that's, that's much better. And I looked at this it, five different ways and turned it around and ran it backwards. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, not literally, not literally, but, uh, so the editing process is, is a continually, you can, I find you continually learn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: One of my favorite quotes that I was constantly told in drawing class at at the Art Institute was uh, art never, it's never finished, but it stops in interesting places. And it's something that can always be revisited and retouched. And sometimes inspiration hits. And sometimes there's like a technique that you learned or technology that develops that kind of Gives you that inspiration to go back to something and be like, "Now let's finish." And then ten years later, it's like, "No, I could do this to the now let's finish." So yeah, I, I do feel kind of like just getting that fixated on that one thing. And somebody's like, "Well, you could do this." It's like, fine,
3: give it a try. Oh, you don't want to admit that they're right, but they did help you get there. Absolutely, absolutely. I kind of, I, I, one of the other, I mean, I mean, the bot, the bottom line is to me, it's a collaborative effort, right? So. Um, mm-hmm. There are often times that we get stuck, whether it's a technical issue or creative one. Sometimes we get stuck and it's the ability to talk to the technical director or specifically directly to the animator and giving them the ability to also bring their thoughts to it, their creativity to it and not stifling them mm-hmm. and letting people do their job. Um, and oftentimes, in that collaboration, you'll find the answer. Okay.
2: It's 100% the the Frozen Lake philosophy.
1: Mm. Yeah, and my next question kind of follows up on that collaborative effort you were, that collaborative spirit you were speaking to. You know, you mentioned working at Rhythm and Hues. Yes. But then you spent the majority of your career at Renegade Animation. You've been there quite some time. Is it the team there that's kept you there so long? Is it the the, the environment, the creative spirit there what is unique about renegade animation what's what's kept you there so long as opposed to moving to another animation studio
3: just just a great team constantly a great team the owners um mm-hmm. do event sitters and Ashley post a way to put together a unique little animation house right mm. and um you know part of the reason for reaching out and doing doing all you know doing this podcast and and doing some interviews is, is we kind of stay, Renegade itself stays kind of under the radar. Sure. Um, and I, uh, you know, this all was kind of kicked off by my Annie Award nomination. Didn't win, was up against like ridiculous competition, but yeah. honored nonetheless. And um, sure. sure, it was, I don't know, I felt it was time to kind of reach out and go you know, we do we do good work. We do we do some interesting stuff here that's worthwhile to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So so getting back to what you were saying is, um, just an amazing environment and bringing in bringing in just kind of kind of under the radar talent and people that really are passionate about what they do. Um, and it's just stayed consistent, and I've just been so fortunate to be along for that ride.
1: Yeah. Sounds like a, an awesome place to be. And do you find, you mentioned the consistency there. Do you find that people tend to, to stay there for a long time and have long tenures there? Or is there's not a lot of turnover, I imagine?
3: Yeah. I mean, the turnover, the turnover is forced by gaps in oh, okay. between shows and things like that. Sure. Sure. But the, the thing, the thing that's also very telling is if there's freelance or something like that we reach out to former employees that have moved oh, on to bigger studios and they're always you know always eager and willing to to jump in
1: speaks to the good times they've had there and the and the culture that's that's awesome to hear absolutely absolutely yeah that
3: truly really is a
2: blessing to have an environment like that that just kind of makes everyday worth like going to work mm.
3: for yeah, I, I just, you know, I think the industry generally, I mean, I, I think that some would look at it as a disadvantage. I always thought it was a huge advantage. Um, sure. You know, it's the, the industry is kind of nomadic. You just, you, you move on to the next gig. Hmm. And sure, there were projects that were less, less glamorous at times at Renegade, but, um, to have that consistency was, uh, uh, has been incredibly important to me, so I'm just sure. very grateful to have been, uh, to ha- to still be with them. Certainly.
2: Congratulations on all those opportunities and the situation that you're in and the nomination. Um, I do want to kind of go back in time a little bit. I have a two part question for you. Did you watch uh, Tom and Jerry in Sesame Street growing up?
3: Yes, on both accounts. As a matter of fact, yes. <laughs>
2: very nice. The reason that I ask is uh, so I was talking to my mom on the phone yesterday about how we're conducting this interview today and how excited I was. And she was like, oh, you definitely have to tell your aunts about that because all of us, all the sisters grew up, you know, watching Tom and Jerry. So it's going to be really exciting and they definitely want to listen to it." And I thought about like how my parents was, like watched Tom and Jerry and know of Sesame Street characters. My grandparents know about it. Me and my cousin used to sit and play Yu Gi Oh, eat corn dogs, and have Tom and Jerry down in the background. And now there's like kids today who are familiar with who Tom and Jerry are. Do you feel that sense of legacy of like continuing the the inspiration and the vibe and just that that feeling of attachment? Of con- of continuing that from the original Tom and Jerry as you create new content with those same characters,
3: absolutely, absolutely. There's you. you I can't dwell on it because I don't want it to interfere and to sure. necessarily second guess myself. Uh, but a- absolutely, mm-hmm. I mean that was the goal. That was kind of the underlying goal. Of the project. I'll I'll tell you a funny story recently. Well, this is the God's honest truth. I was at a (laughs) furniture store. I literally was at a furniture store. This is about a month, month and a half ago. And I'm running through a furniture store. And this little girl and her mom were standing about five, ten feet away from me. And she literally said, Mom, I'm paraphrasing here. Mom, let's get out of here. I want to go home and watch Tom and Jerry. Quite literally. Wow.
0: Wow. Wow. Amazing.
3: And, you know, all that, uh, just, you know, like, should I walk up to her and tell her, oh, I know Tom and Jerry really well. And I just kind (laughs) of, just kind of left it alone and kind of just soaked in the moment, you know, it's just like, yeah, there's an important, uh, you know, as you're saying, your family had watched this when they were kids and here's a child, maybe she was six or seven now enjoying it i have no idea if she was watching the originals or our show or whatnot but there is that that kind of power to just just how important these characters have been to people throughout their lives you know Mm -hmm. so it's definitely there it's it's it the 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 importance of these characters how much they're beloved Mm -hmm. sure the history of these characters is it's 80 plus years i think yeah yeah, it's 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 definitely it's definitely always there, especially in the back of your mind. But again, I try not you try not to you you, you don't have it weigh on you, you know. Sure. Just be honored yeah. and right. grateful that of you course. get to work on something like this. Of course.
1: Yeah, and
2: yeah. I can I can definitely reassure that without it weighing on you, I mean, like I said, you had that experience yourself and then I was telling you like I put the show on and I felt like I was a ten year old sure. kid again, like just enjoying Tom and Jerry. So i i personally want to tell you as a viewer that you have succeeded in honoring that legacy and the show truly is a gem just like it was back in the day like for me able to watch tom in new york and then to watch him try to play the piano while jerry's underneath like stealing the keys and stuff (laughs) and to feel like i'm watching the same show despite the advancements in technology and animation like thank you for preserving that as well as you have because it truly is a generational thing that people get to enjoy well yeah Hopefully. thank
3: you I, can, I you know i can only take a little bit of credit all that goes to daryl vansitters and and his mm. eye you sure. know and him him just you know knowing knowing and understanding and respecting that art that that art form mm. um the art form and i think i think warner brothers was wise enough to send it, send that project to us sure uh, no know, mm-hmm. knowing uh, his skill set and his ability so mm-hmm. uh but yeah i you know it's it's very much appreciated yeah.
2: is it difficult at times or interesting to like create this content from the perspective of a child like especially with the sesame stuff sesame street workshop stuff that you were saying like well, like what what's, what's that mindset like of like thinking from a child and wondering if like the content will connect with them.
3: Yeah, it's it's a great question. You let a project kind of develop and kind of speak to you, and you can come up with a you can come up with its own style. You kind of curtail your style, bring your sensibilities towards it, um, and, and have it kind of mold into this new thing. You know, again, I'll use to directly answer your question. I'll kind of use a sports analogy again. You know, I I think if you talk to any athlete you know before a game there's those nerves at first but once you get mm-hmm. into it once you're doing it and once you're in the middle of it, those those butterflies go away and you think about making the best prod- product you can you know the breath sure. the best the best show you can i hesitate i don't like using the word product but uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but but yeah it definitely weighs on you at times and then once once everything gets moving And once everything gets moving, you have the goal of of actually having to finish the project. So, um, it kind of gets it, that pressure, that specific pressure kind of wanes a bit. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. and, And with that in mind, you know, having to get in kind of that headspace, you mentioned that the Sesame street workshop stuff would be presented to a global audience. So not only are you thinking about, you know, kids within the United States, but how is this going to resonate with people all over the world? And I can't help but think with you know tom and jerry specifically i i too remember watching it growing up and it really is just a a testament to the indelibility of these characters that it continues to resonate and on this podcast we kind of pride ourselves on being defenders of animation it's not just for kids it can continue to entertain adults and well and i think adults as well and i think that's what's so special about a show like tom and jerry is that i remember my parents sitting down and watching tom and jerry with me when, when i was growing up and and whatnot. So with that in mind, I, I, I kind of wanted to ask you, you mentioned, you know, being this kind of sci fi fan growing up and with Warner Brothers having this this catalog of, of characters and properties. are is there like one that you kind of have in mind that would kind of be like your dream project that you have not had an opportunity to work with yet? But it's if that were to happen, it would it would be huge for you. Is, is there one that you one in particular that you have in mind or maybe more than one?
3: There, there's several. Okay, um, but I, I will tell you. Literally, had a conversation last week about this. Oh yeah, and we would, <laughs> okay. you know, far be it for me to suggest anything to Warner Brothers Animation, okay. but we would love, <laughs> we would love to do the Jetsons. Uh, there was always- oh no. <laughs> I think I, I, I'm not privy to all the, com- the the conversations, all the meetings, you know, on the executive level. I I believe several years back they were kind of kicking around this idea, mm. um, and and I think I spoke to all the challenges we had to respect the animation and Tom and Jerry from the from the late '40s and early '50s. Sure, the Jetsons would fall right into our wheelhouse with that that flash animate. Um, uh, harmony mm. style, it would fall right into you know, kind of that—not necessarily limited, but held animation. You know, mm. it would fall right into our wheelhouse. Um, we were just talking about this. It's, it's the, no joke. <laughs> yeah. We would love that. Is uh, I guess uh, is Sam register listening? <laughs> we would love to do the you're just
2: speaking all of this into existence. Yeah,
3: yeah, putting it out in the ether. We would love yeah. to do that
1: if that were to fall on your lap somehow, hopefully the audio, original audio files have been preserved a little bit better than in the case with... Yes, yes,
3: yes. I imagine it would be a lot of fun to find that
1: original hover car sound because that's still one of those ones (laughs) I I love.
3: Yes, yes, yes. You're actually making me excited about the project just to be able to drop that sound (laughs) effect in.
2: (laughs) No combing required.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so pushing back into the technical space a little bit we talked about this slightly at the top as the world moves into this computer generated graphic era what opportunities do you see to use this in some sort of way with a mix of 2d animation what other tools does it give you when you're not immediately thinking oh i could use 3d but you want to weave it in somewhere what, what else is that giving you as an editor uh in animation
3: on Renegade projects, I don't think we've ever used a CG model per se. There were times, there were times where we would use a combination of Rhythm. Well, there often at Rhythm and Hues we use a combination. I'd really have to think about when we've used a combination. If we use a combination in at Renegade,
0: now really, I was just kind of asking, and not even have you used computer-generated characters, but where do you see opportunities to mold in uh cg characters alongside traditional animation where would you see it as an advantage that you would want to use in the future whether it be on this projects that you're working on now or something else
3: it's a, it's a great question i mean for 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 instance when i can think of kind of a, kind of a, i can give you kind of a utilitarian answer here mm. for for instance if you have a car, a vehicle that is moving in space and needs to turn maybe from three quarter to profile to rear three quarter or something like that. I could definitely see an advantage of having, having a CG model do that because that is very, very challenging to draw. Mm. And we would get that back and probably have to cut around it somehow. So I could see okay. a scenario like that, whether or not whether or not uh, my director would be into that, he'd probably be into more cutting around it rather than using a CG model. But sure. uh, definitely, I mean, I I think it's a case by case basis, and I think it would depend on the show. But um, there are definitely moments where where that can that could be advantageous. Mm. Okay, I hope that answered it.
0: No, you did answer that question because there's so many people out there as we talk about defending animation that don't know there's still a lot of human hand behind it. Mm. They think, oh, it's just all computers because we have these easy things to do. So, helping to educate both ourselves and our listeners of when you may want to use one style over the other, and that, you know, simulating versus actually hand animating, there's so many different nuances of when, where, and why, as opposed to hitting a button on a computer and saying, animate this there's so much more going into that
3: yeah there's there's really no such thing just the computer does it there's not i mean there there, there is there's uh the adobe reps are going to hate me uh-oh <laughs> <laughs> there is that motion capture animation where you can actually film someone. Oh, uh, character animator i've yeah I've, I've character animator it a thank bit. you yeah yeah the, the, it, which is well which has its space somewhere in animation sure for a episodic television show, maybe not so much, just because right. the animation is so fluid and it, it can get, it, it can, it can get a little bit clunky at times. I believe that Renegade's actually working on, Renegade has worked with Adobe actually mm. in regards to oh. that actual software package. Interesting. But to, to use it, to use it in our main pipeline, isn't isn't necessarily consideration just because it's very different from what we do and the look we want sure certainly
2: it's just a tool that you understand how to use if need be it
3: it, it is it's another tool it it, one of the things that popped in my mind when you're asking that question it's like you know it's it's what tool is right for the right job sure
0: Mm -hmm. okay
1: well there's not an uh, easy transition to pivot to my next or my final prepared question here it's a going to exercise the creative side of your brain a little bit more, a little more avant-garde. But I wanted to know if there is an animated character that you relate to the most. And if so, which one that is, for example, I myself growing up, I was a a Nickelodeon kid. So I saw, you know, Doug, one of the original Nicktoons voiced by the great Billy West. And that was a character that I always uh, related to a lot. He liked to draw. He was a little timid, but had an active imagination. So with that, that in mind, do you have any characters that come to mind for you?
3: Boy, oh, I'm gonna to have to deflect on this one. Oh. Um <laughs> <laughs> hey, I met Billy West once. <laughs> yeah. He was, yeah. He was Chester Cheeto. He oh, was, was Chester he? Cheeto. Wow. Yes. Yeah, you at that, that time. At oh, that cool. time. And he was, he was, uh, he was coming off the Howard Stern show. And it was just a delight to, to spend five minutes with him and talk to him about stuff. And the thing that always sticks out in my mind, uh, about him is we did a oodle amount of takes. And of course, it was take one that we went with because the guy is so freaking talented. Right. Um, uh, he awesome. nailed it. He nailed it on the first take. Um, I really got to get back to you on what I, that's a good one. Yeah. We, I put you we, on the we, spot there. We, it's, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call a mulligan on that one. No worries.
0: It's all (laughs) all good. Took that one out of left field. I didn't have an answer either.
2: (laughs) I was literally thinking of like all the shows I used to watch. I was like, what would I go with for that? (laughs) Yeah.
3: I should ask, you know what? I'll get back to you. I'll ask my daughter. She'll know immediately. She'll tell me immediately.
2: Okay. Okay. Aw. So... I I graduated from the the Art Institute of Virginia Beach, uh, in photography. But while I was there, they have a they have a great animation department, and my appreciation for the nitty gritty of animation came from watching them burn their eyes on the Cintiq tablets, like for whatever class it may be. Just the amount of effort that went into it, the projects that they came up with, just seeing it go from pre-production to production to post and the presentations and stuff, and just that whole process, what advice do you have for people who are pursuing this field for something that they could be doing, whether it be in their off time or just kind of like how to get in the industry of animation or film as a whole?
3: There's, you know, I like to say that just carve your own path. I know that may not sound helpful at first, but It's, 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 it's really immersing yourself in the genre or the sector of the business you want to be in. If you want to animate, Mm -hmm. immerse yourself in it, Mm -hmm. apply as much time as you can. Internship somewhere. Mm -hmm. See if you can find someplace that, uh, a a company that, um, needs an intern. And you may, you may be running, getting coffee. I don't know what that is like post, post- apocalyptic lockdown covid world but prior to that <laughs> prior to that it's 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 you know especially if you're a student go volunteer somewhere go go internship somewhere and because it's not just about the software the software is a tool right it's the old sure. saying uh, you know uh, anyone can grab a paintbrush but it learn how to paint right mm. it's also understanding every company's going to have A different culture, but it's also understanding the industry's culture and understanding understanding workflow and how things work and kind of, you know, kind of understanding in a broad brush how things work Mm -hmm. and, and what and what you can bring to the table to the team to the collaborative effort and again immerse yourself in it. Uh, and I, I, think as I was saying before, you know, carving your own path, there's not one way in. I started in, I started in, in advertising, uh, most, most people would have took an internship at an editorial house. Sure. So there's, there's many ways in, and especially now with, <laughs> with YouTube and things like that. I mean, you could conceivably just start your own channel and see if you can get, get traction that way. Um, and mm-hmm. start, and just start yeah. doing it, just start doing it. Um, because one of the things that one of the, you know, at the end of the day in, in the industry, you'd be so surprised. Like you'll talk, you'll talk to somebody and like very rarely will somebody be like, Hey, I went to school for anime. Well, animation is a little bit different, but, but uh, there's a diversity because you talk to some people, what did you major in? I majored in history. Oh, what do you do Mm. in entertainment? You know, people, people find the (laughs) securest route into entertainment. So I, I, again, there's, there's not one way in. Right.
2: I, hope- I feel like the the post apocalyptic uh coffee, I think it's just, it's just door dashing now. Yes. Just get everyone's order and order on the phone. <laughs> um but for for my friends who I went to school with that listen to this podcast, I'm sure they'd be very grateful for
1: the for the insight that you
2: Certainly. gave
3: I hope so. I hope I I hope I'm answering your questions due diligently.
1: Oh yeah. It's it's awesome yeah. to get this this insight from someone that's actually done it and done it so successfully for such a long time. Well, thank you. Of course, of course. My next question is not really animation related per se. It's more to the podcasting world. So I open the floor to Andrew and, and Zuhair. Were there any additional questions you wanted to pose? I, I think, Zuhair, you had more of a tongue in cheek question, right?
2: Yeah, there's. You kind of hit one of my core memories when I was looking through your bio the other day. Hi, hi, Puffy Yumi. Ah I totally forgot about that show and as soon as it popped up i was like why does that sound familiar and of course as soon as the theme song hit it has been stuck in my head for weeks now (laughs) i love it the show is great i was cackling when i was watching it last night it's like what was what was the inspiration for that what was it like working on that like do you have any fun stories is there do you have like a certain attachment with that show at all oh
3: absolutely it's it was the first it it was the first show i worked on for renegade Uh, i can't oh well no yeah, I came in, I came in early and very early in season two, basically at the beginning of season two. And uh, we had to change a few things and 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 do a few things technically, but uh, that show is near and dear to my heart uh, because again, it's the first show and there was just, it was just a fun show. It's very challenging going from, mm-hmm. going from cutting commercials, which was a 30 second format to a delivering a 30 minute format or 22 mm. minutes. It was, it was quite a challenge, but incredibly fun a lot of the memories are just based around the crew and the collaborative effort, you know, and, uh, uh, all the, all the knuckleheads in the TD department. Um, just, <laughs> just so much fun. So, so much fun. Uh, and that, that shows also near dear my heart because we had all the anime animators in house. So oh. I literally could go to an animator, and say, what's up with this shot? Why isn't it working? What's going on? Like whether it be on technical side or creative side and sure and talk it over with them. If the animator had a note from the director, that show was structured where you had the storyboard artist directing and then Daryl would supervise direct. So it would be super, super, the supervisional director on top of them. And, and, uh, you know, being able to, so basically working, working with the storyboard artist with the slash director and then being able to talk to the animators too. It's just a really, cool, cool workflow and that um budgets don't necessarily allow these days mm. because most mm-hmm. of the animation goes out of house. Um boy it'd be great to bring animators back in house. But um mm. Mm. The, it's just uh from, from that aspect, the show the show itself the show itself, I mean, I just love the character of Kaz. Kaz was just uh I don't know, just I just loved him. There was there was one particular episode where they the girls and Kaz go to a, um, they go to a theme park and uh, Kaz is petrified of roller coasters. So he mm. points to the <laughs> thoroughly non-threatening milk toast ride, which that sure. just, that, that one sticks out to <laughs> me. That line sticks out to me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Milquetoast is a great word. Doesn't get used enough.
2: Of the few that I was watching uh, last night, the one that made me laugh the hardest was um, when, they took um, Yumi to a baseball game for the first time and she was bored out of her mind so she wouldn't stop eating hot dogs. Yes. Which got Kaz to put her in a hot dog eating yes. contest. Yes, oh, the hot dog eating <laughs> she contest. Eat. She was bored by baseball. And just that whole sequence was like, this is incredible. <laughs> just the characters and the dynamic between them is just so adorable. And just... And man, everything about that show is just hilarious. I I loved every second of it. I loved watching it. Like I'm reading like different episode tiles and apparently there's one like uh called like a parody of Yu Gi Oh called Stoopid Oh. Right. And right. I loved Yu Gi Oh growing up, so just reading that description alone. Um, man, it's it's great hearing that insight because I was I was texting a few friends and I was like, "Do you remember the show?" And everyone's like, "Yes, we love that show." I was like. That's that's awesome. That yes, um, that it just triggered so many other people's memories. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that particular episode, that was a special one, and it's it's amazing that you, that you gravitated towards that one. That one was so special, it led to a hot dog eating contest in the studio.
1: That's awesome.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. What Ooh. was the record? You know what's so funny is everyone's like, Oh, we're going to, we're going to kill this. We're going to kill this. And, and we recruited, <laughs> we recruited who we thought would be the best. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember if we had teams or something and we had like, like just uh, bets kind of going, not real bets, but just bets. You had like teams. And I think it was only four hot dogs. Like, if oh, people wow. were like, <laughs> once they <laughs> ate, got that bun inside them, they're like, Oh man, this is not easy. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. So whatever the world record is i'm only guessing 36 <laughs> hot dogs that's absolutely flipping amazing because you sure. do try it in real life because about that third hot dog you're about done
2: <laughs> and to your guys's credit ami and yumi were eating tofu dogs mm. so yes maybe that kind of helped with eating that. potentially <laughs> potentially i don't
3: maybe maybe so maybe so
2: <laughs> i mean this 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 kind of leads into one question that i had and one that i've been itching to ask um with the talk of baseball you've been making a lot of sports references do you have a favorite sports team of any sport yeah
3: i'm uh yeah i don't want to turn off all the la fans but uh, uh-huh. i i'm huge huge <laughs> nhl fan love all sports love uh specifically football and baseball but hockey okay. is my sweet spot and uh i'm all act- right, go capitals yeah there you go go caps right uh OVC- hey! <laughs> he's going to get that record one of the you know, he's, he's going to break Gretzky's record that's going to be amazing in a couple yes. seasons that's just going to be amazing
2: yes the hockey world is so ready for yes. it I'm so excited yes. and and playoffs are around the corner like it's, yeah it's a great time to be yeah a fan. I'm
3: excited to see what the Kings do they got a young team uh, but I'm actually mm-hmm. I, B, I, I also do fantasy sports so I'm a little bit agnostic now you know you become mm-hmm. you, you become yes. less of a hardcore fan because you end up rooting for like your hated player on the opposition <laughs> but I actually I, Right. <laughs> I actually go to a lot of ducks games down in Anaheim. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they're they're definitely that's in- awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the sport. It's uh, it's underappreciated. It it's its own worst enemy at times, um, but uh, mm-hmm. it's just such an amazing sport. And if you're not, even if you're not a sports fan, try to get to a live game. It's yeah. absolutely spectacular. The, the the speed at what these what these athletes can do. Anyway, mm-hmm. there's there's my promo for the NHL. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I I won't divert too much, but between Mighty Ducks, Letter Kenny, and then needing something to do during um COVID after like the hype of living close to DC and the Caps winning the the cup a few years Stanley back, cup, yeah. like I've I'm just like totally locked in. Um, but the question that I did want to divert towards, um, I don't know if Hi Hi Puffy Amimi mean, has anything to do with this, but I am huge into anime and rock and metal music. Are there any, um, anime that you are into? Do you have a favorite? Is there any that, I know you had your, uh, talk about like overjudging uh, animated content. So did you ever get into anime? Are there any in particular that you're interested in? I,
3: I did. And I'll tell you the one that sticks out. It may not be my favorite, but, um, my, my children were young at the time. The Ponyu, uh, film was, uh, it was just beautiful. um, mm.
0: Okay. Oh yes. Uh
3: just, just absolutely gorgeous. And um that, that one sticks out in my mind. Um I know I, I think that I think that anime fans were actually a little disappointed in Hi Hi Puffy Amimi because it really wasn't steeped in, in anime. Um mm. but we kind of brought again It was what I was saying earlier, we kind of tried to pay respect to it. We would we would use mm. we would use anime anime eye crying you know sure. things like that mm-hmm. uh constantly but actual anime it was more of a traditional um you know north american style uh, and i think people unfortunately were expecting more anime out of it but mm. hopefully we won them over with a great show
2: as i was re-watching it i was comparing it uh a little bit to the style of teen titans and avatar which also have like the presence of anime, but yes. have their own yes. North American touch that a lot of people appreciate, and those are very beloved shows as well. So, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head of hitting that that mix of what North American animation can be mixed in with like what we love about anime. So, I mean, I'm definitely going to be binging High High Puffyami more throughout the. The week because it's just it's so good and it's so funny yeah,
3: yeah we um that 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 particular show you remind me i mean we had mike giamo on that show uh he is art director for all the frozen films um, oh, wow. I, I believe, oh, wow. oh wow i believe i believe he's he's that's so, you know, so he's yeah 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 he was um well, this is before frozen and things like that but he sure uh, uh, there's a name there's a name to drop uh, <laughs> i had i had the pleasure to work with him <laughs> Directly because we used to do background passes. We he would come up and he'd come up into editorial, and we just look at backgrounds. Um, So looking back on that, you know, it's one of those things that it was so long ago you can easily forget. But I got to work with him, which was just an absolute pleasure. That's really cool. Very cool. Uh,
2: The last the last question that I kind of have that kind of connects everything uh, with this. So I watched a little bit of your material to prepare for this interview today. On your IMDB, you have a short film about a martial artist panda. On an episode of Hi Hi Puffy yumi there was a big emphasis on panda flakes when she was talking about collecting these figures. And when I was watching Tom and Jerry in New York, uh there was a baby panda at the zoo exhibit that uh Tom and Jerry are both trying to get home, of course causing chaos. We, Animation Deliberation, are part of the Stranded Panda Network. Nice. So the connection of watching three of your content and the fact that you were interviewing a show of Stranded Panda was crazy of a connection and just kind of shows how things are meant to be. Did you have any say with pandas being put into so many material? And do you like pandas?
3: I love pandas. (laughs) They're adorable. (laughs) (laughs) But it's... (laughs) It's one hundred percent a coincidence, and it's just amazing okay. the way the universe works, right? Mm. Um, yeah, because <laughs> that would be that would be happening ahead of me with the writers. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just a strange coincidence. But that's a very cool. That's very cool that you were able to put all those together.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was too weird to look over. Like by the time I got to high high puffy, I mean I was like, okay, what is happening right now?
3: <laughs> yeah, that that's so interesting. It says, you know, obviously <laughs> you gravitated to it, but there but there it is, right? It uh, so yeah, like I wasn't looking for it, but right, it was right.
2: distinct enough to just be like, wait a minute. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh universe. It, yeah, exactly. You know, you me. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And and just to explain stranded panda a little bit, the meaning behind that name is like this network was really uh, found a, a strong foothold and, and saw audience uh, increase during the pandemic where, you know, people that have these these niche interests and are really passionate about various uh, fandom entries, whether it be live action, uh, comic book related animation like ourselves, we kind of saw them as like these endangered species. So it's like you take the endangered species of the, of the panda. That's very unique and it's it's stranded. It's on its islands of its own, but we can all be connected through, you know, Online community interaction and podcasts just like these. So, with that in mind, I did want to ask. You know, you mentioned this is your first podcast appearance, but do you have any podcasts that you like to listen to that have uh, you know perhaps helped you in your in your creative process or even when you know you just need to take a break from consuming animated content? You mentioned you like sports and whatnot. Are there any? Podcast that yes. you're really into.
3: <laughs> well, you know, I'm gonna feel a little guilty because I need to support these guys. But um here's a <laughs> shout out. Here's a shout out to Crash the Pond. I watch those guys a lot. I think their audience is it isn't very robust, but they've, they they uh, go in depth on the ducks quite often. So oh, I try cool. to okay. right try on. to jump in on their um on their podcast. So I I don't I don't listen to a lot of industry stuff on on the podcast. If there's sure. if there's um, if there's something interesting, one of the podcasts I loved, I have to mention now that you bring it up, uh, was Gilbert Godfrey's podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, listening to all the old time Hollywood stuff, uh, connecting, bringing in, bringing in, uh, actors and actresses and directors that are connected to old time Hollywood. Uh, that pot, that's going to be sort. I don't know if they're going to continue it now that he's left the earth. Um, but, uh, that was uh that was one of my favorite podcasts so yeah. connection to the industry for sure
1: for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah great call i will he will be sorely missed for his his talents i remember him fondly as iago
3: absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. and you know he would do that and then uh he would do the dirtiest sets <laughs> right right <laughs> <laughs> he would be like this is the same person <laughs> and he was always known as the you know the comics comic if you will so Mm. yeah sorely missed is 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 correct
0: so what does the future look like for you michael and what upcoming projects uh should people be looking forward to that we can kind of keep a name or an eye out for your name in the credits
3: that's a great question and i specifically asked my boss before the podcast started and i can't talk about it yet (laughs) oh okay oh okay yeah we i think i can say we have a project coming up for a big studio. It will be a traditional animation project. It's okay. Uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, the content is very, very adult oriented. So it's different. <laughs> it's going to be very different from Sesame Street and Tom and Jerry. Okay. Um, <laughs> interesting.
0: Interesting.
2: Hopefully, it doesn't include either of those characters the way they're describing. No, 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 no,
0: no, no. 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 Do you have like a timeline? Can you tell us what you we we're looking literally, at? literally, <laughs>
3: literally? I received the first sequence this week, so we're looking mm. at we're looking at at least eighteen to months to two years out. I think I don't I okay. don't know the release date yet. Okay. Yeah, I'm not even sure if I can say the studio. So I'm not to avoid getting into trouble. Yeah. It is a major studio. We're very excited about it. Uh, it is going to be traditional. It, so uh, no CG. It's not even to really be flash oriented. So Ooh, we're really, really cool. excited about that.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, hey, as you get more information, if you want to hop up on this podcast and when it comes time to promote it and, you know, get the word out of what's going on, we'd be more than happy to host you again to talk about your future
3: projects. Uh, absolutely, love to, love to, and hopefully, awesome. you know, the Jetsons come around or something. Yeah, right? we'll keep our fingers. <laughs> crossed. Warner Brothers, right? Fingers Warner crossed. Brothers, yeah. yeah, the Jetsons, you send something this to like a higher
0: up, up. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, since you can only kind of very cautiously tease the future and kind of keep that close to your your chest, there or the, the vest rather, um, are there any projects you know from your body of work that maybe um, didn't catch on? As much as you'd like, that you would point, you know, listeners that maybe hearing your name for the first time, that you'd like them to kind of go back into your catalog and and check out.
3: Yes, kind of that's a great moments. question. Sure, um, uh, it really enjoyed. We we only did the flash segments for, it, but there was a, a a a little thing called the Book of Dragons, based mm. off of the very popular movie series from uh, DreamWorks. Oh um, right, I think it was trying to be developed into a series. Uh, it never quite, you know, got off the ground, but it's a fun, it's a fun little short to watch. Uh, it's really, really cute. And that, uh, speaking to a combination that had 2d compositing CG and flash animation all kind of oh, wound incredible. into one. It was a really, really cute, cute, uh, show. And it's just unfortunate. Wow. Never, never really, never really lifted off the ground, but, uh, it is mm-hmm. out there, um, I'm not is sure the one where that's you c- on the
0: renegade website. It, it very well could be. Yeah. It m- okay. must be. Okay. That's yeah. phenomenal because I watched it before this, when I knew you were going to be interviewing and I'm like, this is so cool. Why have I never seen this before? Because I'm a fan of the dragons dreamworks stuff. So to see that it's awesome to know that you guys kind of had a foothold in that early. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We were lucky. We, we got to do all the really cartoony flash stuff and it was really fun. Um, you know, and I'm, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe someone will pick up the mantle on that one. I don't know. There's, there's you know, so much that goes into those decisions. So, but that was, that was, that was a fun one that, that was a swing and a miss, evidently. So, mm-hmm.
1: well, hopefully the listeners of this podcast can kind of create a groundswell around that and we'll get, uh, due time in the, in the daylight
3: now. Oh, that would be cool. That <laughs> yeah. would be cool.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. As we're coming to an end here, I wanted to open up the floor to you, Michael. Uh, First of all, thank you so much for being here and lending your insights and your your passion. It was uh, really, really exciting for us to have you here and and pick your brain a little bit. Um, Are you active on social media? Is that a place you want to direct people to follow you if they like to interact with you on the interwebs?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I am. I guess I'm on Facebook. (laughs) I'm on LinkedIn. That's the best way to get a hold of me. Sure. sure. LinkedIn. Uh, I have a Twitter account. I don't think I've logged in in in, in a couple of years. I'm not for that. Yeah. I'm (laughs) awful, awful with social media. And that, that's part of what this outreach is too. You know, sure. Um, going along with the Annie nomination is just kind of getting out of my own wheelhouse a little bit and, and doing, doing these, doing podcasts and doing interviews and just kind of outreach. So. Uh, for myself and for, for Renegade, so uh, LinkedIn. Okay, very cool. Any social
2: media for Renegade?
3: There should be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's a good question. Uh, see, that's I'm telling you, and and you see how I slot really? I just fit right in with Renegade. I don't think there's a heavy social uh, social media presence for Renegade either. Um, hmm. I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up to Ashley to you know this. <laughs> the next meeting. I would say, you know, <laughs> it's on this podcast. And they were all wondering. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's, I, I, I'm positive. There's a, and I'm not positive actually. Um, let, me, let me get back to you guys. <laughs> Invite me back, please. And I'll have all oh, these uh, answers we, for you.
1: Of, of <laughs> course, we would absolutely love to have you back. So uh, again, we're, we're just an email away.
3: Yes. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. Yes.
1: All right. Well, uh, with that in mind, thanks again so much for being here. Thank you to all our listeners for all the support. Again, I will remind you, if you dig what we're doing on this show and want to increase our listenership and give us more visibility so we can have uh, Michael back as well as other guests, uh, leave us a rating and review wherever you catch your podcast and send us some feedback if if you really enjoyed this interview. And uh, maybe the next time we have Michael come on, we can have your fan or excuse me, your listener submitted questions to read on air. That would be great. So um, that's it for me this week. Again, I'm Jay Scotty St. Clair. Thanks again to Michael D'Ambrosio for being here. Thanks for tuning in. That's T-O-O-N-I-N. Stay whelmed.
0: Until next time, muscle muscle with a side of milk toast.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. This was a lot of fun.
0: Thank you for
2: listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandapanda.com or join the great community that is the Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed.
3: Dramatic pause. A dramatic